Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And you're listening to the Ready State Podcast. You got it! You better stop it! Hey everyone, welcome back to this bonus episode. Of bonus. Bonus episode of the Ready State Podcast, where we have our producer, Lisa Schwartz, here but not really here. And we're going to be talking again about our upcoming book, Built to Move. So today, what I want to talk about is vital signs. Are you suggesting that signs be tall? Signs be tall. The whole book is structured around the term vital signs. And yeah, what, what, do you, what did you even signs. mean when so you came up with that term? What does it mean to you? Well, I'll take a swing at this. As everybody knows, when you go to the doctor, they take what are the more traditional vital signs, which are like your temperature and your blood pressure. And what else is there? There's some SAO2. Other ones. SAO2. There's some sort of traditional things that we all know of in medical terms that are vital signs. And, and, we, and those aren't, and let me just interrupt. Yeah. Those aren't ideal. Those are just sort of like baseline references. Yeah, they're right? just a baseline reference. You know, you take them every time Resting you go to heart the doctor rate. for whatever reason. Anyway, we wanted to expand upon the idea of vital signs and include movement as a vital sign. Yeah. And the quote that you've said a ton of times that I always think of is, I think it's a, we might've learned it from our old coach from San Francisco CrossFit, Elena. And I think it's an old Russian saying that is, when you stop moving, you start dying. So with that in mind, that's, that's why. That's, that's actually not it. That's, what, what was I the quote? When you, when you stop jumping. Thanks. Thanks for at least one of you actually <laughs> okay. paying attention to what I've been saying for a long time. Okay. Well, if I've bastardized the quote, so be it. But the point is, is that we really wanted to make a book that was about the importance of movement and making it prime in yeah. your life as important as all these other yeah, vital signs. What's crucial is that I don't think people realize, what we have told people forever is it doesn't matter. As long as you don't have any pain, rock on. And then when you have pain, well, here's some bourbon. Good luck with that. Honestly, we've been having this really disingenuous conversation about this musculoskeletal system. We've said for everyone forever, pain is a medical problem. And that is absolutely not true. And one of the things that you and I discovered in the all the years we've been doing this is that if we just wait around for the check engine light to come on, that pain signal, that can be for a thousand different reasons because I'm super stressed or I my beliefs about pain or my experience in the past or, you know, again, all of the things that can be, contribute to the understanding of what's happening. And what's happened then is that you and I said, okay, well, let's let's separate pain out Let's make it not just about pain all the time, because that's really what the whole medical system is. Like people go see a physical therapist doctor because they're in pain, right? They don't go because I want to improve my squat or I can't ride my bike or my wattage suck. And what you, we've done with these vital signs is given people points of reference around key aspects of their physicality that help them know, hey, I'm, I should improve this or I should work on this a little bit. And I think that's really the key. It's about function, not just about pain, no pain. We're trying to shift that narrative. Yeah, and I think the other big part of it is that you know, as we've grown older, in our younger years, we were obsessed yourself, with woman. athletic performance. And now what we see and when we talk to people we know that are our age, which is middle age, people are starting to talk about what they want their older years to look like. And usually that involves what people want to be able to do with their bodies when they're yeah. older and, and also hopefully keep their mental faculties. But nobody talks about what they want to do when they're 85 and says, I hope that I'm bedridden and have to be taken care of full time. Most people hope when they're 85 that they'll be able to play with their grandchildren or travel if that's what they love to do or do their sport or, you know, whatever it is. But it really does sort of revolve around being able to remain 
physically active and be able to move. You're tightening up a lot of things there because one of the problems, a lot of people have been talking about this for a long time, that we see a environment person mismatch. The things that help us to become durable and sort of maintain the minimum maintenance on our bodies aren't necessarily built in. Look, if you were born in the 70s, you ran around, you were kicked out of the house, you drank from the hose, you know, you, you, there were some things built into your life that you didn't have to think about, you know, because you were living in the way that the life kind of gave you context. You didn't ride your, your electric scooter to work, you, to school. You had to walk to school uphill both ways. Or pedal your bike with your own two feet. So what we see suddenly is that some things have changed. Do you remember when we all went to school back in the day, we went on a field trip, you took a soda? Do you remember that? Oh, I wouldn't just take a soda. I would take a soda that I would... This is weird, by the way. This I never is did weird. this. Did you, I'll find out if you did this. I would literally get turn the faucet on as cold as possible, the kitchen sink, and I would make a paper towel wet with cold water. And then I would wrap my soda in first the paper towel around the can of soda and then aluminum foil. Did you do that in PG? And it created like a mini cooler. I don't feel like that's scientifically feasible you didn't do as, that? A, as a cooling mechanism for your soda. No, it lasts, it lasts think, cold for like there's gonna eight be, seconds. For like there's going to be someone who listens to this podcast who also did this. I may I have wrapped my my soda in some aluminum foil. I remember, I have recollection, but the, the next layer in, dude, you're such a so cutting edge, Jay. My point is around that, before we got sidetracked with your obsessive compulsive cold drink behaviors. Soda was a really special treat and not something we had all the time. Not something my parents bought. You wash your teeth? You rinse your teeth with soda? I had soda with breakfast. (laughs) Did you really? Sprite. The lesser soda. (laughs) Okay, well, so accepting Lisa. Never mind. I don't know. Why did we write this book again? So for people like me. <laughs> what we what we see though is suddenly the access to really highly palatable foods conjoined with the fact that we're not moving or forced to move, interact, that our sleep has been disrupted, that you know, we're just seeing sort of this change that we've talked about this. I was I studied some anthropology, some geography, and back in the uni days, believe it or not, I went to university. And uh, what are you doing <laughs> calling it uni? Uni. Who even are you? <laughs> He's a physio. Shout out, Yannick. (laughs) And and one of the things they talked about was how air conditioning fundamentally changed communities in the South. Because as soon as there was air conditioning, people stopped going out on their porches and hanging out on the screens and interacting in their communities. And the air conditioning suddenly kept people in their homes and it changed how communities interacted and how neighborhoods interacted. And I think we could take that same level of sort of a perception of how some of these contrivances and conveniences have fundamentally altered what it meant to be human and or how we interact with the environment. And so what ends up happening is that people really get far away from what is it my body should be able to do. And I'm not trying to romanticize walking 20 miles to get water from the pump. That's not what I'm talking about. But there are some things that we should be looking at that human beings have been doing for a long time and giving people reference lines for that, I think is really a useful idea is, hey, I should work on this a little bit. Or, you know, I didn't even know that was a possibility And it turns out that when we make people, we give people these tools where they can take a crack at improving how they function in the world, we also, they feel better and they're more durable. And I think that one last thing, Lisa, I think that the three things I would say about the vital signs is that they're really centered around how much you move, how well you move, and sort of what lifestyle factors there are in your life that impact your ability to move and keep moving for your whole life. Well, I do want to go back to 
how our environments are now structured and how it's very different. But maybe before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we should actually go through what the vital signs are. There are 10 in the book. So maybe you can run through what they are, because I think because you're known as the movement and mobility people, our listeners (laughs) might be surprised to learn that these are not all movement practices. They're not all movement focused. You know, one of the things that I think I was, Juliet has always had a penchant for, um, <laughs> for, <laughs> for, did you just say penchant? Penchant for all things nutrition. Like you were sort of into it for its always. reasons, yeah. always. And I was always like, yeah, 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 you should eat a certain way for performance. But I became much more interested in nutrition because I saw it as a limiter for your, your soft tissue health. And that I couldn't talk about having bomb-proof soft tissues if you were hypohydrated, if you didn't have enough proteins, if you weren't getting micronutrients. And so suddenly I was like, well, shoot, I have to become interested in that. And to your point, a little bit of why we became interested in some of these aspects of sort of the centrality of what it means to be human is that we couldn't have a real conversation about the symptoms, about your inability to move in the environment or express force or have movement choice, unless we were doing these other things. So it's not like I backed in and wanted to be that guy who was talking about sleep and, you know. And well, that, that, and a perfect example is sleep, right? Because if you're talking to someone that's injured and they're trying to recover, or maybe it's not a full-blown injury, but they've got something Or injured, yeah, yeah. Or injured. Yeah. They're not really going to be recovering if they're not sleeping and having good sleep quality and good sleep hygiene and habits and... And we, right. and raise your hand if you've been told you should sleep. Raise your hand. Have you ever heard that message before? When was that message first given to you, Juliet? When you were a child, probably. Yeah, when I was a child, I, I mean, I, my parents were all about sleep, so. What about you, Lisa? When did you, like, realize that, like, you actually were a vampire, but you still needed to sleep? But I, I will say, let me just correct that and say, I don't think it was really until almost my 40s, though, that I really appreciated, like, a more intellectual level how important sleep is. Well, I don't think I fully appreciate it because, you know, I am a night owl and I'm not a morning person and I'm just sort of have a bit of a shifted schedule where I I just perform better later. late at night. Later no, 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 no that, your genetics are like you're you're mm-hmm. totally a night owl. Yeah, but I don't think I fully appreciated my sleep until I started tracking it, to be honest. Yeah. Well, can I do one other, one, give one other example though about how we sort of backed into some of these more lifestyle practices? I mean, very similar with our our book Deskbound and our recommendations for people oh, right. around standing and moving at work. Like we never set out to be like, we're going to be the standing desk people. Like that's not sexy or awesome. And really the sort of backstory there is that we ran a physical therapy clinic forever. And, you know, Kelly obviously has seen tons of injured athletes of all stripes. And what we realized is we saw so many people who were trying to perform athletically and not really making the connection between the fact that they were sitting with all their key joints at 90 degree angles Not, for and 16 hours of their day. And then just triggered to all, we're going to get all the emails from physical therapists sitting, it's not banned. And it's not bad, but no. what's problem is not moving. Not moving is bad. And if that behavior that, and this is, I think this is really important idea here. If you're engaged in a certain behavior in your life and it starts to eat into your vital signs, it starts to degrade or change some of your ability to express something. You should be curious about that. So look, you love running in ski boots. That's your thing. <laughs> you're, you're like mini tramp ski boots. That's my jam. Wow. And you don't know. He's me gone at all. there. He's gone there. You uh, were in a Swiss ski boot cult as a kid. <laughs> I'm not judging. PG is super weird. Wow. And uh, fighting words. Those are fighting words. Point for star. But the idea is, you can do that. But if that starts to change your ability to ex- open your hip up, 
or change how you walk, then we have to be curious about that. And I think that people can relate to that. If I watch TV a bunch at night and it affects my sleep, remember when you were pregnant watching 24? Yeah, 24 <laughs> we, hours a day. Yeah. We, we were watching 24 and when it just came out and I think you had we pregnant with Georgia. I think it was Caroline. Yeah. And you were like, we would watch like Kiefer would defuse a nuclear bomb and Julie and I'd be like, our heart rates would be 160 and be like, good night. We'd try to lay in bed and my heart rate would be super high. And I was like, oh, it turns out watching 24 right before I go to bed and I'm pregnant is the not a great thing idea. I took away from that show is like, when does he go to the bathroom? Like we're following a 24 hours. No, no, no. I don't think he, he ever, ever he, they never no, ate yeah. either. They never ate There's either. No that's really that's a good point. By the way, that was back in the day when we were receiving our Netflix videos on CD delivered right. to us by mail. They were so DVDs. we could only like, we like could adults. only binge so much. True. And my point is, we can all relate to inputs and outputs. That if you had this input and it changed some aspect of your sleep, you could be like, hmm, maybe we shouldn't watch Twenty Four. But when it comes to some of these other aspects of your bodies, some of the processes are more coupled and hidden from us, right? They're so complex, or it takes a long time to express inputs and outputs. It's like you watch 24, your heart rate was jacked, you didn't sleep well, we didn't watch 24, you slept well. You're like, oh, that, run an experiment there. So when we can give people these vital signs, then you can make choices about, hey, do I want to drink alcohol tonight? Because I know it's going to affect my sleep. And that's a choice. And that's not saying I'll never drink alcohol again. But it, if I have a huge event coming up or I'm not sleeping or I'm under stress, I now can understand that there are certain behaviors that will interrupt or interfere or degrade or tax my vital signs. So I'm actually going to tax my vital to, signs, bro. Um, I'm actually going to try to answer Lisa's actual question. Well, don't be all high and mighty. Which, Which was, are the vital what signs? are the vital signs? So I'll start. The first vital sign is getting up off the floor. We have a vital sign about breathing. As you alluded to, we have one about nutrition, sleep. Some of the vital signs are connected to being, being able to get your body into shapes that you like need. Hip extension. Hip extension, being able to put your arms over your head. We have a balance chapter, which we think is a very overlooked part of being a durable human. And... Walking. What am I missing? We've Walking. Got how to integrate and shape your work behavior because we're seeing so many people at work that it's a big, big idea and an opportunity yeah. to improve people's lives. And by at work, we mean either at work or at your work at home, working remotely. I would, I would argue that most people are in more healthy situations for their body and movement when they work at a job site. Because they had to walk to the job site, they had to move, they had and to interact. Not, right, right. from their couch. Yes, yeah, even on a if little it's, tiny laptop. Yeah, even if it's like they have to walk from the parking lot to their office yeah. and then they go out for lunch and, you know, Which is probably the most there. compelling we yeah. reason. All the CEOs, if you're listening to this, it's about the health of your employees. And That's why they- They're bringing them back to the office. Breathing, did we? We talked about yeah, that. Breathing. Yeah, and, you know, we can't talk about, we had a lot of opportunities to say, where do we think are the- Base camp behaviors. What and do you mean by base camp? What I mean is, what are the Sorry, things Lisa. that people need to do? What access should they have to their physicality to build a platform off of which they can go do whatever they want? Because what you and I have tried to do here is be completely agnostic about the things people want to do in their lives. But what we've come to realize that these behaviors are core principles we're not talking right. about body Whether composition you're a creative changes. or an athlete That's or right. a couch potato or whoever you are like these are people some core so we, we have run into a lot of people even at our through our book the our publisher they live in new york they self-describe as not heavy exercisers 
And they're always feeling guilted as like, well, I didn't exercise, so I'm a bad person, or I'm not on some keto cleanse juice diet thing. So I must, yeah, I must not I'm be feeling, optimized. I'm right. failing at my health practices. And when they, when they had access to the book, what they realized is, oh, of course you and I think loading is important and putting on muscles important. But we had a bunch of women in our lives until very recently, we had three people in our lives who are over hundred years old. And none of them were very strong. None of them played a sport. Yeah. And I'm not talking about you, Lisa. Just <laughs> oh, I mean, none of them would have ever used the word athlete to yes. describe themselves in their life ever. And still the and only- still, they like, live to be over 100. over 100. So I think when we say base camp, we have come to realize, and I think this is what's so seminal about the idea of the vital sign is this is the set of behaviors off of which I would say, hey, you want to go win an Olympic medal? You need to do these things. First. And then you can build competence and layer on. So before you climb Everest, let's get to base camp. Exactly. Yeah. And not to take away from your genius, because I do feel like you both are, are super innovative, but this is kind of low-hanging fruit, right? So that kind of brings me around to the word habit and habits, because... It's not like these things are hard. It's not rocket science. Yeah, who doesn't know about but, sleep? Yeah. you know, there's an element of like our environments are not set up for any of these things. Like we're not reminded to move because we're sitting in front of a computer all day. It's just not top of mind. Yeah. So let's talk about the idea of habits and you laying out these very simple things that people will hopefully. Before J-Star takes a swing at this, I just want to say that one of the things that people is remarkable about this book is that we understand how these behaviors are interlinked and they're what we call in complex systems, they're called tightly coupled processes that your walking affects your You're just trying to, to sound fancy. What are you even talking about? You're just trying to sound fancy right His now. His lexicon is He's tightly like, coupled. Tightly coupled, <laughs> tightly coupled behaviors from this book I read. Everyone, welcome to my life. <laughs> have you met my sister, Lisa, <laughs> and my wife, Juliet? And have you met my wife, Juliet? <laughs> And wife, Lisa. This is it. I, I'm trapped. Look, at some point, I'll be able to talk about this in therapy. The point is, I think one of the issues when people are presented with this is, which Juliet will talk about, though, is they don't understand how all these pieces fit together. And we've done a be much better job of explaining why you can't just pull one of these pieces out and how they layer. So now why don't you talk about the 24-hour duty cycle? I'm going to start by saying a couple more things just generally about habits. I think, you know, what we've learned over the years is that People know that they should get some exercise. Stop it. And never heard that before. They also know that they probably shouldn't have like a 40 ounce Coke and Doritos for dinner. But that well, doesn't actually stop people from doing that. And I think what you said, Lisa, about how our environment is set up to make it really easy for us to make choices that are not good for our health. You know, it's like you just think of someone who gets a new job and they're presented with their desk or their office and it and is then, what it is. And the company brings in lunch and coffee. So they're not walking. Yeah, they're not walking. Your daughter, st your daughter yeah. starts a cookie business. Yeah, so I, I think yeah, that, that's our biggest current challenge. <laughs> so I, I think one of the, the reasons we chose these specific vital signs is that they are the things that we've been able to make habit in our own life. Um, without then, having to do a whole bunch of crazy no, stuff. No, and without having to be training three or four hours a day or only working part-time so that we can take care of our we, super special health habits. We like, were in the early biohacking movements. Like we just had our friends who were there, yeah. right? And one of the things that I started to appreciate right away was it seemed like there was this list being generated of stuff you had to do to optimize. And I was like, wow, I wonder how Juliet's going to react when I tell a busy working mother, <laughs> CEO to like, hey, you're not optimizing. 
you should follow this checklist and add another 30 things to your day. Right. You would have like killed me if I'd been like, hey, I see you're not. Yeah. And and what we've seen over the years when, you know, people ask us, you know, just our friends and neighbors and people ask us for general health advice. Often, you know, people are asking questions about how to climb Everest. You know, what supplement should I take? Which color rope yeah, is the best way to yeah, express my you know, pe- creativity? People have sort of like missed the basics. And what we always have gone back to is, is we say, you know, are you sleeping? Are you moving? You know, are you getting in the sunlight? Are you drinking some water? Are you, you know, breathing? Are you taking care of your tissues? Like we always go back to these basic habits. And and I think for us also, part of the reason these things have become habits is because we are very clear about our own physical goals. I mean, both in the short term and long term, it's really important for us that we're able to move and be able to do the things we love for as long as we're alive. And so we've sort of structured our own habits around the things we know we want to be able to do and sort of the practices that will support us being able to do those things. And, and you know, when we wrote Supple Leopard, you and I were just in a different part of our lives, right? It's 10 years now. We've been working since we started writing that book, over 10 years. And one of the things I think that we, the reason we can write this book today and it means a lot to us is that we actually are one hyper obsessed with like having healthy tissues and maintaining our functionality for the next 50 years. And two, we also are very busy working people. And I think when we've been able to parse through what are all the things that are best high performance yeah, like are what doing, are the non-negotiables for us in our life? And where do you put that into your day? So we're not giving you a list because I think if you read this book, you can just drop it in and we've structured in a way that we solve the problem for the athletes and the coaches and the organizations we were working with. Because what we started working on, we came up with the 24-hour duty cycle, I think, when I was working with the Marines, the Marine Aviation Weapons Tactical Schools, when I was like, okay, where are we going to go ahead and figure out where we're going to drop in these key behaviors? And what we found out was, if we didn't speak in those terms and actually look at where people were going to do this, no one did it. Yeah, I think That's what half. I really like about this book is that these habits, behaviors, it's all accessible to anyone, whether you're an athlete with those kind of goals or you're my mom, like it's accessible, which leads to it being something that could be is actually doable and consistent, like accessibility and consistency. Let's talk bone crushing consistency. Yeah, I mean, you know, our book um, Becoming a Supple Leopard really had, you know, obviously it was like a 900 pound, 500 million page textbook, um, but really it had a lot of advanced movement and mobility concepts and techniques. The audience for that was largely people who would use the word athlete to describe themselves or coaches, physical therapists, doctors, you name it. Like, you know, I can't tell you how many chiropractic clinics, doctor's offices people have said they've been into. And they're like, oh, I went into my doctor's office and there was a copy of Supple Leopard in the waiting room. Or people that are already in pain. Right. And right at the end of their rope. Right. Or or I need to win a world championship. How do I do that? But it is ultimately not a relatable book for the everyday person. And everybody wants to be durable. And again, going back to what I said earlier, there is literally no one on earth who is going to answer the question, like, what do you want to be able to do in your 80 with, I'm hoping I'm bedridden Shout out Ronnie Coleman. Move. Everyone wants well, to be a bodybuilder, but no every, one wants to lift no heavy ass weights. Especially how our lives are yeah, yeah. organized right now, where we're going to work till we're like 70. So- yeah. What do you want to do when you retire? Travel. <laughs> 71. Right. right? But now that's happening not when we're 50. It's happening when we're 70, 70 75. Yeah. Right. And most of us want to be able to like play with our grandchildren or take them traveling or, you know, just be able Shred. to go for a hike or, I'm going to right, or whatever. And whatever. My grandchildren. We've said this before, but 
live on our own. I don't want to be in an assisted living facility because I can't get up off of a chair. And I think one just key point I wanted to make, too, is that, you know, what we've seen going around the world and consulting with Olympians and professional athletes of all stripes and elite military units and you name it is often those folks are also missing the basics. And that's why we really feel like this book is for everybody. You know, it's even for people who have read and are aficionados of Supple Leopard or people who would use the word athlete to describe themselves. We see that often, you know, the people who fall into that group or use those words to describe themselves, they're maybe doing like one or two of these practices, but they're not doing them all. And so it's still the, you know, they still haven't reached base camp. Do you remember Princess Bride? Yeah. Yes. One of the greatest movies ever made. If you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything. <laughs> and one of the I think the problems this solves is that a lot of people in our vertical are very sophisticated about all of this. You know, they're tracking and getting stronger and caring about position and managing their sleep. And you and I have felt like we have left a swath of society behind. And that swath is 99%. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we just were like, we're good over here. I'm going to keep deadlifting and doing well, my what thing. What was that WHO study that just came out? It's yeah. like, we're, we're not killing. Yeah, they're, they're actually just to sort of tie that up. The WHO just this week that we're recording this put out their first ever report on physical activity. And, you know, it's obviously worldwide. And generally speaking, we're doing horribly. And, you know, it's not just Americans. I mean, that's the other key thing. You know, we like to focus our attention on America sort of being like particularly bad. But all the French are skinny and smoke. But I mean, it's worldwide. People yeah. are not getting enough physical activity. And and if you look at the guidelines, I mean, it's it's not an unreasonable amount of physical activity we're supposed to be getting. And we're nowhere near that. And yeah. kids in particular are A lot of our schools off. are even in not in compliance with the legislation about how much exercise. And again, the question is where, who owns this? How do you begin this? So one of the things that we recognize is that we have to be able to help people manage this in their homes on their own. Your physician does not have enough time to talk to you about all this. It would be great. Your physical therapist can't talk to you about their sleep if they're working through a problem. You guys have seen me treat. It's packed. When I'm working with someone, I have a lot to do. The whole original concept of Mobility WAD, when we made our first video in 2010 on the internet, was to create a resource for the people we were working with. So they could come to it or they could have done some things to expand the the treatment hour. And one of the things that we're trying to do here is solve a problem so every physician can give her client or her patient who's trying to get off meds, right, who needs to control their blood pressure. Well, the intervention right now from big medicine is, well, we don't think you're going to change any aspect of your behavior because it's so complicated. Take this pill because at least it'll save you. I think that kind of brings up a good point that I want to go back to of who the book is for and the idea of nodes in the community, which we've talked about. I don't know if we've ever talked about on podcasts, but you know, if you are a person that's doing all of the things, but people in your community are coming to you like, what should I do with this? Right. Or what should I do with this? This is the handbook that you can refer people to. It's easy. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I mean, we've really tried to sort of encourage people to like become the node, right? We encourage people to get this book and figure out these practices because a lot of this is inclusive of your community. Like, you know, one example I was talking to you about the other day is my mom, who's 77, almost 78. 
loves to walk and hike. And she felt like she was struggling to find people to do that with. And so she wasn't walking and hiking as much as she wanted because she didn't always want to go alone. And so I suggested her, I was like, be a node. And so she started a little walking, hiking club for, you know, 70 you did not something say ladies. Node. I didn't say node, but in my mind, but I you thought meant node. it. I meant node. Anyway, so my mom, Janet, started a little hiking, walking club, and it's the same time, same day, Wednesdays at 10 o'clock every week. And, you know, it's really grown. And, you know, there's a group of cool ladies who care about moving their bodies and being outside and having a sense of community. And it's for those people. Recently, I've adopted this phrase, hyperlocality. You heard me say that? Mm -hmm. And that is... Fancy. Tightly coupled. It's tightly dangly. coupled. It's dangly. It's very so dangly, dangly phrase. The idea is, I think you and I, we've worked at levels of, we've interacted with Olympic governing body for a country. We've worked with them. Like, how do we help all the Olympians in an entire country? We've worked with populations the size of the army, right? We, how do we improve healthcare there? And what we've, you and I have realized is it's really difficult to make these large yeah, like changes institutional, at an institutional yeah. country level issue. And so suddenly we're like, well, it's about the state. And then we're like, no, 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 it's about the, it's about the community. Hold on. It's about your street. And then pretty moon, it's soon, it's just about your circle of friends. That idea of if you can be that node in your community, it's because you actually know the demands of your community and what's going on inside your own home and with your friends. That may be the, the extent of the influence of our, of our capacities. I think the internet has really confused people around this because it feels like I have to speak to this global audience or I'm a failure when we haven't transformed our own streets and our own communities. You know, the other thing I wanted to talk about without you asking me a question or just say about the book and the vital signs is that one of the things we've tried to do is in addition to making it, you know, super accessible and relatable to, you know, people who have busy lives is we've tried to make it fun. You know, every chapter has a test and physical practices you can do. You know, our wait, hope wait, is that those you're are gonna, called objective measures. Yeah. And we're hoping that, you know, people can challenge their friends and do it with their parents and their kids and try to work on the test together and sort of make it a community thing. Like we've tried to make it like fun and interesting, yeah, and get it, some interesting data about your body. Totally, totally. One of the things that I think was a failure around physical therapy, particularly, is that physical therapy came out with a lot of language, which was don't do this. Otherwise you'll get injured. Don't round your back because your spine will explode. You'll damage your fascia. fascia. And how did that work for getting people to quit smoking? Has that worked? (laughs) Like not yet. yet. How about drinking? Does everyone, does anyone think that just drinking a bottle of bourbon? No. So we're like, don't drink because 20 years from now you'll have cirrhosis of the liver. You're like 20 years. That's too long. It's too long. So I think you're, premise that when we pointed negative at people and we said, don't do this because don't eat just greasy hamburgers all the time, because sometime in the future, you may or may not be here, but you may die. That didn't change anyone's behavior. And when you made it fun and it was you, cause you're always the fun so person. Fun. And we made it about improving people's choice and functionality and how much better they felt. Cause sometimes we work with people and I'm like, Hey, do you should do these things? Cause it'll help with a lot of things we're working on, but also 
you actually don't feel good and you're actually going slow and but you I suck. But I think a lot of people don't know that they don't feel good. That's what I'm saying. Until yeah. they stop doing something. So when you point positive, when we're add, like, hey, yeah. yeah. And that's why we've tried to add some objective measures, right? I mean, I think, you know, you don't know until you do these tests. And, right. you know, there's going to be a, f- a few readers of this book who, you know, get a nine out of 10. But my guess is most people are going to, you know, have some challenges with at least yeah. some of the tests. Mo- um, very few learn, people are uh, going to crush this. Yeah. And learn a lot about sort of their like physical readiness and durability. When we handed this out to some of our early readers, people who are in the know and have access to all the stuff, they said, wow, it really actually changed some of my behaviors. And we gave it out to some of our like, yeah, like serious world athletes. champion yeah. super friends who are like, wow, this really felt like it crystallized some of my behaviors and organized things so I could understand what was important. And I can also, as you say, even if I pass some of the tests, now at least I know what my blood pressure should be. We all know that, right? 120 over 80 isn't great blood pressure, but at least we're like, hey, it's not a problem, right? But now we're like, hey, you can't do this or you're not meeting these goals and the vital signs. Hey, be curious about that. And one more specific question on vital signs, and maybe I'm playing I'm playing dumb here, but is there a hierarchy to the vital signs? Is there an order? I mean, I don't think there is an order. I think that they're all important. They're attacked I, right now. I also think, <laughs> I also think, you know, I'll explain it, that in a second. To the extent that we've tried to make this book as accessible as possible, like we do also appreciate that there's going to be people who do a bit of choose your own adventure where they're going to say, okay, well, I relate to and want to incorporate seven of these 10 habits into my life. And, you know, this works and makes sense. And I'm able to do this. And like, that's great. You know, I mean, obviously 10 out of 10 would be great. And, you know, 11 out of 10 with our bonus chapter would be even better. But, you know, we think there's going to be some choose your own adventure. My book goes to 11. Your book goes to 11. But every one thing someone incorporates makes their life better. Yeah. And the reason I felt attacked is they, everyone at this place where I work thinks I have monkey brain. (laughs) There's no thinking. (laughs) Do we? (laughs) Like I said. And when we wrote this, you know, Juliet, (laughs) who is like, okay, read page one, do page one. Read page two, do page two. Like that's how your brain works. Yep. And maybe why you're a world champion, I'm not. That's fair. However, I feel like you can open this up and be like, this piece speaks to me. I'm going to start there. So you really can dive in and start mm-hmm. anywhere. And a lot of people did. You can, as Juliet says, choose your own adventure. You might think, hey, I think I might be good at this or I'm interested in this. You can dive right to that chapter. But you have to ultimately appreciate how tightly coupled these systems are. Yeah, but I mean, it's true. It's like, you know, or or you can do every chapter and if there's one that you pass with flying col- yeah. colors, then, you know, it, it's not to say that that's a habit that you can throw into the trash, but it certainly doesn't need to be a focal point. You know, you maybe can- the, I'm on the cookie chapter. Is that chapter 12? I'm yeah, crushing yeah. that chapter. Exactly. We all are, unfortunately. Okay, well, to wrap this up, maybe let's tell people again the name of the book and when it comes out and to stay tuned, we're going to do some more bonus episodes like this. It is Built to Move. It is available actually for pre-order now, basically at any retailer that sells books. You can go to builttomove.com to learn more and pre-order a copy. It will be live and either in your mailbox or bookstores on April 4th, 2023. Uh, Lastly is piece of homework is if you are looking at your own life, what are your non-negotiables? Because a lot of people, I don't think you've even kind of thought about the program running in the background, just think about what are your non-negotiables? What are the things that you know that you need to touch base with? Because I don't think we've even given anyone a framework on that, but you probably could come up with a couple on your own. And are you talking about like physical non-negotiables? Yeah, just physical non-negotiables. I don't mean like I need to be able to run a, you know, 
12 minute 5k nothing like that when but, I was, but maybe i want to travel when i retire not even that like i think those are the goals that we talked about i'm we're, we're wrong just kelly you're wrong, wrong. <laughs> tell us how we're wrong it's so difficult to mansplain. Tell, tell everything us how to you it's too. more basic than we're even thinking. <laughs> no, what I mean great. was, instead of looking at what your goals are, what are your behaviors in, around your life that you sort of anchor down? Like you are a really good sleeper. Like you sleep really well, she has the even gift. though you stay up night. Like that's one of the things that, that is you my really, superpower. It's your superpower. Very lucky. So if I was, if you, I asked you to do an inventory, you'd be like, well, I always really protect my sleep. And cause you and I, Juliet and I freaked out for a while. We're like, Lisa goes to bed so late. <laughs> then we were like, I, oh. I was like, I was like, she I'm actually a little does worried sleep. about Lisa. And then she got a tracker and I was like, okay, now she's I don't need crushing to, the sleep. You I don't need to worry sleep. about her at night. So that I think, um, that's what I mean is if you looked at your own things, what are the things that you're doing currently that could be, you'd consider a vital sign yourself. Peace of homework. Well, thanks everybody. Thanks. Thanks for inviting us, Lisa. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for tolerating me. Thank you for listening to the Ready State Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all our episodes here or at thereadystate.com. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Ready State. Until next time, cheers, everyone. You got it.